Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so uh, what have we seen so far? We've read, we've, uh, we've had double time on some sections, <laughs> but we've and not so much on others. But from chapter 1, verse 1 to chapter 2, verse 13, what have we seen? I mean, we said that there was a theme, a sort of a theme in the whole letter. What was the theme we said? Can you remember? It is Paul passing on the mantle to Timothy. And there were two words that we used, really, that he kind of um, really emphasizes. I don't think you'll see those words in the letter, but... Endurance is one, yeah, endurance is one, and the other one we're going to come to, actually, so um, perhaps we haven't seen it yet, and that's separation, so endurance and separation, Um, uh, yeah, so in the first chapter, um, what does Paul do? I mean, he's writing a letter to Timothy, as Rich said, it's the handing the mantle over, really, Timothy's going to take over from him. And what did he want to... I mean, these are his last words, last recorded words to Timothy. So what did he want Timothy to know? And us through Timothy. Yeah, that he's been given a spirit of power, love and discipline. He talks about uh, what we call the foundations of Christian ministry and Christian service and actually Christian life. And so what are the foundations he talked about? What are the foundations for a Christian servant or minister? Or What does he think is fundamental? Yeah, family training. So you could call that discipleship, if you like, which, whatever. You can call it discipleship, family training. It's, it's training within the family of God, so it's discipleship. Um, what about the next thing? I mean, really, if he's laying out for, for Timothy a foundation on which... Uh, the Christian life or ministry is set. So discipleship, what else? Yeah, before that though, before that, definitely that's true. But the foundations for which, that yeah, God's calling and his gifting. So discipleship, this is the way he wrote it. So it's not necessarily one's more important than the other, but it's and not necessarily in this order. But discipleship, family training, Uh, God's gifting and calling or his calling and gifting and the third one yeah God's protection for ministry really important to know that God's protecting protecting you and the last one fellowship yeah that fellowship Um, and in chapter one I mean there's lots of varying little topics he says God what's been entrusted to you and uh, I'm not afraid and I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. So all of those things. But he, he talks uh, in chapter 1 about a um, kindling afresh, the gift of God, doesn't he? That What is the instruction to Timothy but to kindle the gift, kindle the flame that has been given to him? So um, that was Timothy's part. That's what he does. The foundations are, actually, you don't do. It's discipleship. It's God's gifting and calling you. It's God's protection of you and your being in fellowship. Um, and and your, the, the requirement for Timothy was to kindle afresh the gift of God. Um, kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Um, 
Okay, so that's the foundations for Christian life and ministry into which Timothy is now going to be flung on his own. What about chapter 2 then, the first, the next first section of chapter 2? What's that about? Just from verse 1 to verse 13. I mean, there's lots of different topics in there, but if you were writing to Timothy, if you were Paul writing to Timothy, you'd want to know him to know certain things. You'd want him to know that for the ministry that he's in and going into further, he needed discipleship, which he's had. He needed the gifts and the calling of God, which he's had. He needs to know he's protected, which he knows. And he needs to have good fellowship, strong fellowship, in order to do this. So then what would be the next thing you think Paul might want to tell him? Yeah, that there's going to be suffering, there's going to be hardship. But actually, how does he go into the second chapter? Therefore, be strong and be great in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Suffer hardship with me. Entrust these to faithful men, blah, blah, blah. But then he goes on to talk about the type of person he needs to be. You know, the way he should look at his ministry. How is that? Yeah, that's what you know. But what, what about in this chapter? What's, what's the way that he describes the ministry, the, the, the type of person who's going into this? He's a soldier. No soldier in active service entangles himself in everyday affairs. So he's described as a soldier. What else? Farmer and, and an athlete. So he's, Paul uses very familiar people to, to tell Timothy something about the person who's going to do the ministry. The first thing is the foundations for the ministry, and the second thing is this is the type, this is how you have to be in your thinking as you're approaching ministry. So, um, so what does he say about the soldier? Just briefly. Yes, he wants to please his commanding officer, which obviously is Christ. Don't entangle yourself in, in everyday affairs. What does that mean? Because um, yes, 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 vain arguments. Go ahead, Mike. Yes, the battle is the Lord's. But this idea of entanglement in everyday affairs or in everyday life, what does that mean? Because I mean, you know. People get married, they have families, that's everyday life. You can't help being involved in that. So what's the idea of entanglement in everyday life? Yes. Yes, yes, that's it. So it's in being entangled, being, I kind of, as you say, captive to that thing. You're intrinsically wound up with it. And uh, it's hard to detach yourself from it. So don't get into that sort of state. Yeah. Um, the athlete. What does he say about the athlete? Yeah. Do it by the rules here. Yeah, in other places he says about training. and um, But here he's saying do it by the rules. What does he mean by the rules? Yeah, I'm not sure he means actually God's individual laws. Yes, I think it's more to do with doctrine. Yeah. Yes, the whole letter's actually about false teachers, how that's going to impact. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's exactly it. I think it's exactly that. So, I mean, he's expecting Timothy to not sin. 
and, and, and obviously keep the law of Christ. He's just expecting that, just as he expects every believer to do that. But this is like, you know, when, if you're going to do this ministry, you need to know the doctrine and you need to make sure you stay within the doctrine. Um, Jude will say, won't he, in verse 3, that um, contend earnestly for the faith that was handed down to the saints. So there's this, there is this body of doctrine that's been handed down. That's the rules. What about the farmer? How's the farmer? Hardworking. And, but what's he, what does he specifically talk about with the farmer? Sharing, he should take his first, what is it he says? Um, yeah, uh, sorry, I'm looking for it, I can't find it. Um, yes, thank you. Um, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. What do you think he means by that? Yes, yeah. But if he's saying the hardworking farmer ought to receive his share of the crop, what do you think he's trying to tell Timothy? It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Make sure that you are receiving what you should be receiving. Why might he have to say that? Exactly. And also, notoriously in church ministry, people are poorly paid in leadership. Because for some reason, Christians feel that that's just such a vocation and such a joy. You don't need to receive any money. And now, why would Paul have to say that to Timothy? Yes, he did. Yes, but also he was a tent maker. He had decided because he was taking the gospel out, he wasn't going to rely on anybody else or depend on anyone else. So he was a tent maker, wasn't he, as far as he could. And so Timothy might be thinking he's supposed to follow in that vein, except that Timothy wasn't going to do exactly what Paul did. Cause, well, also, because Timothy... I just figured out what you said. No, no, I know. I couldn't. I, it took me a second to get it. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't make tents, yeah. Um, but Timothy's going to places that Paul has already preached the gospel. So he's not taking a new thing. So he's establishing churches, building them up rather than planting them. So now Paul has gone without, you know, he, obviously his friends have supported him around. So he's received, but he wants to make sure Timothy understands it's not wrong to have a living from the seeds and the work that you're doing. Um, Timothy was young, wasn't he? He was a bit timid. He might not have been so happy to sort of make that request or statement. That, and so, I mean, because there are lots of things Paul could have said about a farmer, but he said that. So um, I think we have to look at that at face value and say, okay, what does that mean? Um, so this is... This is what he's telling Timothy about. This is, the t this is the type, you know, this is the sort of person who is the Christian minister or servant. And um, he gives them profiles of these people. And then he says something in these verses. I think it's in verse 8 he begins. What does he advise Timothy to do? So he says, you should be like this. And then... Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Why do you think he says that? Do 
Well, as he, in chapter 1, verse um, 8, and in chapter 2, verses 3 and 9, he introduces the subject, I think someone's already said it, but he introduces the suffering aspect of ministry and the hardship of life in ministry. He says in verse 8 of chapter 1, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. In chapter 2, verse 3, he says, um, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier. And in uh, verse 9, he says, uh, For which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. So he's introduced this idea of the fellowship of suffering, actually. Um, remember when Paul wrote his, um, he wrote to the Philippians and he said um, he pressed on to lay hold of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus that he might know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. So this is what he's passing on to Timothy. Don't be ashamed, don't be afraid, but there is going to be hardship and suffering. Um, what do you think he means by hardship? Because he uses that word. I mean, we think about suffering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. So think about that in terms of the title. That's why I thought that endurance and separation are the theme because endurance to endure the, the hardship and the separation which brings hardship and um, that has to take place. Um, and so Paul introduces this idea of fellowship of suffering. Join with me in suffering for the gospel. Um, and it's kind of a challenge, isn't it? Because that he's, he's saying, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. In verse 3, suffer hardship with me. And in verse 9, for which I suffer hardship, as um, even as to in imprisonment. So there's this challenge to Timothy that this is the road you have to walk. Will you walk it? This is how you've got to be, like a soldier, like an athlete, like a farmer. This is how you need to, you know, this is what's going to come to you. Suffering hardship is going to be part of your ministry. And so the idea to tell him, remember Jesus Christ, that's like everything, isn't it? How did Jesus live when he was living on earth? He lived like a soldier who didn't get entangled in everyday affairs. He lived like the athlete who, who lived according to the truth. Um, harder to see about the farmer receiving his first share. I don't know about that, but uh, you know, he, this is what Paul's saying. Remember Christ Jesus. Remember him. So there must be something in the farmer that I'm missing. So if you can see it, let me know. But Paul's saying, hmm? go ahead. Right, I get that, but how does that is, how's that with Christ? Because Paul is saying, "Remember Jesus Christ." So I was saying, Christ lived like a soldier; he didn't entangle himself. He he was an athlete, so he lived according to. He's, and he talks about running the race and finishing the course and and living according to the doctrine. So I, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm interested. So how does that fit Christ? Because I think there must be something in the farmer, but I I I kind of can't see it. 
in terms of taking your share, because that's what he says specifically here. The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive the share of his crops. I don't think it's in there, but it may be. I haven't looked at it. So, okay. Well, then that's immediately Christ. Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. So maybe that is it. No, I don't know, Eve. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I think that that is, is probably what he means. Because I think the remember Jesus Christ is remember Jesus Christ when all of the above has happened. And remember Jesus Christ when the rest that I'm going to tell you is happening. So it's like, remember Christ. Remember who he is. Remember how he lived. Remember everything about him in order to be able to suffer without fear and in order to go on and do the things I'm now going to instruct you to do. So I just felt that there must be a link in the farmer that I hadn't seen so I think that may be good I'll look up first fruits and see what that what that is so okay so maybe that is that's Christ then laboring on earth yeah thank you yeah I know it's good though it's good because that's how we get all the the different angles of it so okay so so up to chapter 2 verse 13 Paul's laid out things and he's been primarily concentrating on encouraging Timothy to to understand all that he has in Christ and how to live this life um and his antidote to suffering the suffering that living that life will bring is remember Christ and the next subject he's going to go into will depend on Timothy remembering Christ um, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. So it, it, this, there's a lot in there, and, and that's what's going to enable Timothy to do, you know, to stand on what all the, his foundations and to do what Paul's instructing him to do. So in the next section, I've already said what I think it is, he issues a further challenge. The first one is, you know, um, endure, endure hardship. And the second one is, um, separation. It's a challenge to separate from things that you know are not of God. Um, I don't think he's talking about a challenge to separation from the world. Because Paul knows that if you're in Christ, you are already separated from the world. So you might struggle to separate yourself in different areas because that you might have particular issues. But he's assuming that you want to separate from the world. So I think he's talking about separation from false teachers, false doctrine, and pe people who teach it and people who follow it within the professing church. And um, um, yeah, when we get to chapter three, I think he makes that really clear. Um, uh, avoid such men as these. They were, they're holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. So he's talking about people within the body or it within the church who are holding to a form of godliness but denying any power that it has. Uh, I, no, I think it's professing at believers. I mean, it might be Gnosticism that's coming in, but um, it's basically false teachers. So he lays out his challenge in what way? How does he lay out this challenge to separation? I'll tell you, he, um, he, he, t 
tells Timothy to do certain things, to lay hold of his instructions. Basically, he's going to give him a whole list of instructions in the rest of this chapter. And the way that he will actually take up the challenge of separation and be separate. Um, and in the, in the verses 14 to 26, actually, let's read those. We'll read those. Verse 14 to 26. Just someone or two people read those verses. Yes, please. Thank you. I mean, pretty kind of direct stuff. And I think in the homework I said, could you break those verses into sections? Um, and if you did, um, did you could you come up with a topic for each section? So I think there were three sections there. Um, so what do you think? What are, what are his... So, so let's just say from verse 14 to verse 19, what does he talk about? I mean, I know he talks about a lot. Don't give me the details. Just a kind of title that would fit those verses. Yes, so be diligent. Um, yeah, okay, that's a good... Yeah, be diligent. That could be a title. I've got to be faithful in ministry because two men have walked away. They haven't been faithful. So to be faithful in your ministry, which is kind of the same thing. Be diligent to do what you're called to do. Um, the next 20 and 21, when he talks about the vessels, what do you think is the kind of, what's his teaching there? Yeah, be a clean 
vessel, be a clean instrument, be clean, yeah, be useful, yeah. And finally, in 22 to 26, so... Yeah, he, he begins with flee youthful lusts, pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace. So, And he goes on about conduct, be able to teach, patient when wrong, gentle, all of that. So I think I've called that be faithful in conduct or in behavior. So it's faithful in ministry, be a clean instrument, be ready to be used by um, the master or the, and be faithful in your behavior, in your conduct. Um, so first, how does he begin this section? Because he, he begins with a sentence right at the beginning, verse 14. What does he say? Remind them of these things. And that um, word remind, is, it means continuously or by regular practice, remind them of these things. What are these things? He says, remind them of these things. So I think these things are the things he's just said, which are, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of um, uh, David, according to my gospel. And then for if we died with him, we'll also live with him and all that that means. And also remember these things, the things I'm going to tell you now. So it's like both. Rem remind them of these things. So Paul's teaching wasn't just for Timothy. It was for his the people who would read this letter and that he would minister to. And ultimately it was to you and I. It's to us. Remind them of these things. So what are the things he wanted to remind them of? And the next thing he says, what's the next thing he says? Remind them of these things and... Solemnly charge them not to wrangle about words. Solemnly charge them not to wrangle about words. What's the next thing? Yeah, be diligent to present yourself approved to God and the way you do that is accurately handling the word of truth. The next thing, we will go back a little bit and talk about these, but what's the next thing? Avoid worldly and empty chatter. Okay, and the next. Because you could number these things. You could just number them. He said, remind them of these things. So these things remind them. Don't wrangle about words. Don't get involved in worldly and empty chatter. What's the next thing? Just the instructions that he was... Flee from youthful lusts. Pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, actually, all of those things. And refuse foolish and ignorant um, speculations. Now, there's more, and we'll talk about more in a little while. But when you just think about those, I've just said, there's, remind them of these things, solemnly charge them not to wrangle about words, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, accurately handling the word of truth, avoid worldly and empty chatter, flee from youthful lust, pursue righteousness, love and peace, refuse foolish and ignorant speculations. I think I've got eight, and five or six of them are about speaking.
they're about speaking. So what do you think the point is that Paul wants to let him know? Words matter. Words matter. Guard your tongue. Words matter. Why do words matter? In the context of what Paul's talking to Timothy about, separate yourself, endure, um, and separate yourself from false teachers, which we'll see a bit more clearly as we go on. What? Why would he be so intent on t- saying words matter? It matters what you talk about. matters what you get involved in speaking. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Don't deviate. There's lots of false teaching about. So what's his, what's his intention then? Avoid worldly and empty chatter. Don't wrangle about words. Accurately handle the word of truth. Remind them of these things. You know, it's, this, it's speaking all the time, speaking. So w- what's the purpose of it? When you think about it in terms of false teaching. Yeah, false teaching spreads fast. It's like gangrene. And, but also... Um, that don't get involved in foolish arguments or empty chatter about stuff you know is not true. Just don't be involved in it because it's a waste of time. And to get involved in endless arguments, wrangling about words. And, and you see, the thing is, we could wrangle about words all the time because false teachers take words like righteousness, faith, grace, peace, and love, and they change the meaning. Oh. Yes. Exactly. I think that's definitely true, Anne, and I think that's what he's saying. Be diligent to uh, present yourself approved to God, accurately handling the word of truth. And I just think it's really, you know, when I wrote the list, it was I, I was surprised to see that so many of the things are about what you say and how you say it. Um, also, remembering, go on. Yes. 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 Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, always, yes, definitely. So I think that's what he's saying to Timothy. So, um, um, and also what he says is. That knowing and speaking the word of truth builds up and anything else brings down. Because he's going to talk about the ruin of the hearer. Um, I think, I I can't, again, can't find it exactly now. But he talks about, oh, well, look, but avoid worldly and empty chatter. Yeah, it will lead to um, further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. So, yeah, it ultimately destroys the hearer. So, I mean, actually think about that. Our arguments and disagreements about doctrine or about things that are being purveyed as doctrine eventually lead the listener who's listening into those arguments away from the truth. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of sobering, isn't it, to think, okay, well, how do I handle that then? How do I handle false teaching? How do I handle, you know, deception? Yeah. Mm. 
Yes. 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 <laughs> I know. No. No. Yes. Somebody comes back and I say, you know, they sing. Do you understand? Mm. And, you know, I say in heart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's not to get taken. No. I think it's interesting because Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy's the leader of the church. He's going to be the leader. He is the leader of the church at Ephesus. And, and he will be well respected around. So it's interesting that he's being told, don't wrangle about words. You know, this is not just us, minions, you know, who are meeting people who might say something. This is the kind of him in leadership. Don't wrangle about words, just speak truth. Speak truth, speak truth, speak truth. Yes, you can't fight every bit of false teaching. You can't argue about every bit of false teaching because actually you won't know every bit of false teaching. All you need to know is the truth and speak the truth. I think that's what he's saying. Be diligent to make every effort to present yourself approved before God. Um, I mean, <coughs> Paul's writing to the man he knows is going to succeed him in ministry. And this is his advice. This is the last bit of his advice. And if he could say anything to Timothy, he's chosen to say these things. So, you know... Yeah, I think he's yeah, exactly. He's exactly. Yes. Yeah. Definitely, I definitely think that. Yeah, and and he wants to make sure that Timothy doesn't get distracted, doesn't get yeah. sidetracked, just keeps on heading for. And what what he says to Timothy is, "Be diligent." Well, I think he must know that Timothy's diligent. Because he's the one that he's going to succeed Paul. So it's a bit like uh, you saying to me, me saying to you, be diligent, Anne, to accurately handle the word of truth. You know, to be quite honest, for a long time, if someone had said to me, Anne, you better be diligent, <laughs> I'd have said, what do you mean? I am diligent, <laughs> do you know? But what you get from this is that Timothy will receive this in the, um, in the way it was intended, Exactly. It's an encouragement. Keep on being diligent. So, I mean, you know, many of us have been together 10, 12 years. So we know each other. We know that we are diligent. We know that these things are being done. We're trying not to wrangle about words, etc., etc., etc. But nonetheless, Paul says, remind them of these things. And he's, yeah, he's keeping him. So I want you to stand on the truth and you want me to stand on the truth. Because... Yes, yes, definitely, yeah, yes, yes, definitely, yes, 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 definitely, that's definitely true, yeah. And the thing I, I really was struck by this time, or in fact, we're going to go into it, so I'll talk about it a little bit in a minute, that, I mean, we're not all going to be pastors and teachers as Timothy was. We're not all leaders in churches. We're not all going to have the same thing. But the main points that he makes are for all of us. It's no different. Avoid worldly and empty chatter. Accurately handle the word of truth. Um, flee from youthful lust. Pursue righteousness. What do you think about pursue righteousness? What does that mean? 
Yeah, but I mean, you know, pursue. It has this idea of chase after righteousness, run after righteousness. Well, you know, we've been told we have the we are we have the righteousness of Christ. So, what does he mean? Yes. 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 Yeah. I think he means that there's more and more and more to have. You know, that, that you never get to that place where you can say, I am totally like Christ. I am. You can't. I mean, that's in Second Corinthians. He says, you know, he made, him, made Christ like to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So there is that sense of a continuing thing. And I think he's picking that up here and saying, pursue this righteousness. Run after it because it's really important. Pursue love and peace and faith. Run after those things, because the, you know they're the basis, they're the backbone of Christian life. Yeah, yes, of course. Yeah, mm. to forget. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I was thinking about different ministries, you know, different giftings, different ministries. And I mean, Timothy's was a speaking ministry, obviously. And um, and, and you know, you may not be gifted in the in a speaking gift. There are other gifts. Um, so, is it important to accurately handle the word of truth, even if you're not a speaker or a teacher or a leader? Yeah, of course, because so actually, these things all apply to to all of us. Um, Yeah. I had a situation just recently which was quite, well, I knew what I had to do. My Avon representative came around and I bought a pair of trousers from her to cut a long story short, but because she didn't send me back in time, I said, don't worry about it, I can take them in. I'll send it, you know, it doesn't matter. Anyway, she ordered some for a different pair for somebody else and they made a mistake and sent her too. Ah. So she felt she was paying me back a bit right. by saying, you have that. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. Mm. And, I, and I've had to say, I'm really sorry. Mm. I, they, I would like to keep them. They mm. don't fit. Mm. But as a Christian, I don't feel mm. comfortable with me. Mm. Yeah. I Not paying for them. Mm. But you see how easy that would yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. She, said, she was saying to me, um, yeah. they've, all, they've let me down on other things. You know, yeah. But yeah. They didn't say yeah. it can be for somebody else. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. put all right with it. Yeah. 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 And I also think that Paul here, talking about pursue righteousness, pursue love, pursue peace, pursue faith, within, within the, um, what do you call it, professing church, within the professing church, pursue righteousness. So, um, I mean, think about that. Okay, that's a witness to her. She probably walked away and thought, that woman's nuts, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but that pursuing righteousness within the body of Christ, that's what he's talking about because he's going to go on to talk about separating and that's to do with separating within within the professing church. So 
there's a witness to that, isn't there? There's a witness of righteousness, pursuing righteousness within the church. I know, but yeah, but that's because you've already pursued righteousness and you're already on that path, and so you've already gone a certain way with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I do. I definitely think that's true, but I think Timothy's, Paul's not talking about that. He's talking about inside the church, there are vessels for noble use and vessels that are for ignoble use. And you need to be one for noble use. So you need to separate yourself from the others. So there are false teachers in the church. Are they believers or not? I don't know. But you need to separate yourself from them. Because, (laughs) well, okay. Well, for, for Timothy, he's in charge, isn't he? He's in the leadership of probably lots of little churches. Now, he's got people that are also in leadership with him. And some of them will be teaching doctrine that, or teaching stuff that he, does not, he knows is wrong. So it's like, don't align yourself with someone who teaches error. You can't. You can't be a part of that. You can't invite them into your fellowship. You can't actually have fellowship with them because they're teaching error. So you have to be separate from them. That's, I think you have to literally separate from them. Of course. Of course. Well, No, no, what that's what I'm we're saying the same thing. Yeah. Right. No, it's not easy. That's why it's hard. It's a hard challenge. This is a challenge. A challenge to separate from those people who are going the wrong way. Yeah. Well, I think you have to separate from that teaching. So, I mean, I know that many people, some in the morning as well, they, the Church of England is now, this is going out on tape, so oh my goodness, but the Church of England is now their mission field. Yeah. Because there are so many people there who have believed a false gospel and who are not actually believers. So they're going into churches and it's, it, they're, they're evangelizing within the church on the, on the Sunday. Yeah, so um, so I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying you can't have fellowship with those people. Yeah, you. Oh no! If you don't, if you don't give them the gospel, who will? No, no. Don't be sorry. I'm glad you said it because now we can explain. So, but you you cannot have fellowship with false doctrine and false teachers, people who follow false teaching. You just can't have it because. It, it will spread like gangrene. Yeah. That's what he says. And everyone will be polluted. Now, you see, the thing that I think that Paul is trying to get over to Timothy, many different ways of uh, he's, he's kind of bringing it in, is that he's always talking about fellowship, the fellowship of suffering, the fellowship of uh, believers, the, the discipleship, all of that. You cannot live the Christian life on your own. 
Timothy can't minister on his own. You can't live the Christian life on your own. You have to live as a whole. And as a whole, we are to do these things. So you can go out into the mission field of the Anglican Church or the Catholic Church or wherever it is that you think, but you have to come back into proper biblical fellowship. Thank you, but you, you, so that is so some sort of strong Bible-based fellowship. That's what you need. You need to be in good fellowship because you don't have the strength without it. You don't have the strength to go out. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He will bring them back. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can't. Not trying to push that on no, no. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm talking about fellowship, fellowship, which is different to family. It's different to friends, even. It's different. Fellowship is how you get your strength, where your strength comes from. It comes from the Lord, but He works through the body of Christ. And and it's, but it is really that idea that I think Paul's trying to impress on us that that. Together, together, together. It's hard for us because we have a completely individualistic mindset. It's all about us individually. It's all about us taking the gospel, me taking the gospel, you taking the gospel. But actually, the the picture in the New Testament is all about the body of Christ doing this together. So... Um, and you can separate when you're not separating totally alone, like here I am, just a lone Christian, um, ready and waiting for Satan to pick me off at the back of the fold. Um, now I'm, a, I'm part of a body of believers, and we're strong. It's like Peter and John, you know, they, they said to them, don't, we don't want you to talk about Jesus. And they go right back to that group who are praying for them, and, and they immediately pray, give us courage to keep on. Well, you can't do that if you don't have strong fellowship. That's just not going to happen. So that's what I think he's talking about. Be separate from these false teachers, from their doctrine, from their followers. Don't not talk to them, but just separate yourself in terms of fellowship. Um, he talks about these two men who've walked away, doesn't he? That um, Hymenius and uh, what's the other one? Philetus, yeah. They've wandered from the truth and they're teaching that the resurrection has already taken place. So, you know, I mean, actually, probably a lot of people would say, well, that's not too bad, is it? I think they're denying the physical resurrection of believers. You know, the fact that we will have a new body, that we're going to be, you know, and the second coming almost, which is all attached to the second coming. So if the, if the, first, if the resurrection has taken place, the second coming is not happening. So it's, it's, that's a big thing. It's a big thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 The um <laughs> the thing is on the surface sometimes they look small. They look like no, I know you're not saying it, but to other people they think, Oh, it's not much let's not make a fuss about that, you know. He believes in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, let's leave it like that. But again, it's what do you believe about Jesus? 
What do you believe? And yeah. Yeah. And that's still that's still actually. Yeah, it's still going on. It's a very strong teaching. Yeah. So. And what Paul says is those false teachers are able, he says, that they overthrow or they upset the faith of some. Uh, Look at it, verse 18. Men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. So that word upset means overthrow. So they actually have the, they can, uh, the result is that they do overthrow people's faith. And you know, and that's what he's talking about, the gangrene. It's dangerous. It's not just wrong, it's dangerous. Um, so, um, he goes on to say, but, um, where are we? Um, yeah, it is. It is. Yes, yes. Teaching is in James. Yeah. Don't don't all run after being a teacher because there's going to be a greater judgment. Yes, I know, I know. No. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But there's a healthiness about it too. So um, I think there has to be a humility in the in teaching or speaking the word to understand that this is what I really believe now. This is where I am in my walk with the Lord now. But I don't for one moment think that I am not going to learn something more as I go on. So it's just, okay, I think to teach you have to have the essentials right. And then I think you have to say, in fact, Angela, we were just talking about it. You have to be able to say, I wouldn't die for this. This is where I am now, but I wouldn't die for this. I'd die for some things, but not this. Because, yeah, so I think in some ways it is a bit, it's healthy to have that kind of reticence. Um, Okay, so Paul says, um, men who have gone astray, nevertheless, but the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. What's the firm foundation? What do you think it is? <laughs> don't you hate hate answering, don't you? Just because it's yeah, <laughs> getting it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. No, it isn't. I don't think it is. No, it could be about the truth. You'd think it would be about the truth or the spirit or whatever. But I think he's talking about the church. The church is the firm foundation that he's talking about. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 to 15, in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, and in first, sorry, yes, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15, Ephesians 2, I was just going there, I might read that. Ephesians 2, uh, verse 19 to 22. Um, Paul talks about the church being a foundation. Um, and 1 Timothy 3, 15. Um, first Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. 1 Timothy 3, 15. 
Um, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So he's talking about the church, the body of Christ, and he's saying here, um, because he's talking about people who have gone astray, people who are teaching the wrong thing and are upsetting the faith of some. And what he wants to say is, but the Lord knows who are his. The church will never fall. Everything else in this world will fall, but the church will stand, the body of Christ. It's the only thing that will remain standing. Um, in Hebrews, the writer says, doesn't he, that there's going to be another shaking and everything will shake except the church, except the people. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Hebrews 12, I think. Yet once more, God is going to shake the world. Um, is it verse? Is it 12? Um, yes, chapter chapter 12, um, uh, verse of Hebrews, uh, verse 26. And His voice shook the earth then, but now He has promised, saying, "Yet once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heaven." This expression, "Yet once more," denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as created things. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us um, show gratitude. So it's this idea that we now are part of the body of Christ, which is unshakable, and God knows who are his. And I think he, he's, he's talking about two seals, isn't he? He talks about a seal. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. And I think he's taking Timothy back to his... to Yes, back in Timothy, sorry. <laughs> Chapter 2. I think he's, he's taking Timothy back to Moses and the court rebellion of Korah. Do you remember the rebellion of Korah? It's number 16. And basically, um, this guy called Korah and some people who followed him wanted, said, well, who is Moses that he can do this? And they rebelled against him and, um, and caused a lot of problems. And in, in verse 5, um, when Moses, well, verse 4, when Moses heard this, he fell on his face and he spoke to Korah and all his company saying, tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and will bring him near to himself. Even the one whom he will choose, he will bring near to himself. So the first thing he says is, the Lord knows who are his. So those, there's, though there's this rebellion, though there's false teaching, though it looks like the faith of some are being upset, and all sorts of things are happening, nonetheless, the Lord knows who are his. And then the second reference, also number 16, I think, verse 26, where he says... Um, uh, what does he say in Timothy? He says, uh, everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. And in Numbers 16, the same passage about Korah and two other men called Dathan and Abiram. Then Moses arose and went to Dathan and Abiram with the elders of Israel following him. And he spoke to the congregation saying, depart now from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing that belongs to them or you will be swept away in all their sin. So this, this, everyone who names the name of the Lord, everyone who's on the Lord's side abstains from wickedness. 
And I think it's a bit vague, that reference, but I think because he's talking about Korah um, and the rebellion, that he's reminding Timothy of that. Uh, in Timothy, it is um, verse 19. 19. 2. 19. You see, Timothy, think about it. He's the pastor. He's the leader of the church. These two other men have walked away. There's false teaching going on. Paul's saying, separate yourself from these people. You know, you can't have fellowship with these people. Uh, but he's also got to tell him, don't worry about it. Don't worry about these people. Don't be afraid because God knows who are his. And, and Jesus said, didn't he? You know, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So that's really what Paul's reminding Timothy. It's okay. God's working. At the firm foundation, the church will stand. And um, you don't need to be afraid that God's work will fail. You don't need to be afraid that, um, and that you've got to hold it all together. Sometimes we have that thought, don't we? We've got to hold it all together, you know, poor Timothy. He's gonna, exactly. Um, and that leads him to the next section, actually. He's, he's talked about, um, we've mentioned it already, about these, um, in the large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some to honour and some to dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honour, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now, I think you know you would automatically think he's talking about cleansing yourself from sin, or from. But I don't think he is. I think he's saying in the house there are vessels and some are good and some are not good. So you need to separate from those things. I think it's all in the same... Um, yes, yes. So I think it's all in the same thing. So separate yourself from the unfaithful in the church. Separate yourself from people who teach wrong doctrine. Separate yourself from people who think they can live lives that are... Um, practicing like the world practices. Separate yourself from them. Now, again, he's not talking in the world. <laughs> you know, we live with unbelievers. We have family. We have friends who are unbelievers. He's not saying don't talk to those anymore. But again, it's like this is within the professing church. You cannot have fellowship with people who are living lives that are unholy and ungodly and don't care about it. I mean, we all sin, so it's just the caring about it and who are teaching other people to do the same thing. Because... Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, well, I think he's trying to... No, I actually, I, you're right in principle. I think that that is a truth, but I don't think he's saying that here. I think what he's saying here is there is you need to be a gold or a silver vessel, and you need to stay with other gold and silver vessels because they're pure. Don't mess around with the wooden stuff because they're going the wrong way. And yeah, I think that's what he means here. Uh, yeah. um, and normally, you know, we think about it as cleansing ourselves, but I think he's talking about keeping the fellowship clean and useful. Um, so Timothy was to have nothing to do with false teachers. He was not to align himself with them. That's the whole point of this thing. And in that way, he'd be a noble vessel. He'd be holy. He'd be useful. And he'd be, pre be prepared for every good work. Um, okay. So 
having said that, he now becomes very specific about... Um, he's already started, flee from youthful lusts. I think that's pretty obvious what that means. Timothy's a young man, so I don't think we have to ask what he means by that. Pursue righteousness, run after righteousness, pursue love, run after love, peace. Go ahead, what? I was going to say, we have no idea whether Timothy got married. No, I don't know if he did. I, probably there's tradition there, but I don't know. Ah. Uh, Celibacy, maybe, like Paul. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, pursue love, pursue peace. How can you pursue love? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good. Ask for more, yeah, from, from the Lord. No. No, I think that's right. Peace, pursue peace. Yeah, mm, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, pursue peace. Be in, in fellowship with others of the same mind. Refuse foolish and ignorant speculations. Don't quarrel. Be kind to all. So separating yourself does not mean that you send people to Coventry. It doesn't mean you don't talk to them or you're not kind to them. Yes, that's it. Yes. So, um, yeah, the end. Be able to teach, be patient when wronged, be gently correct those in opposition. Why? What does it say in the text? Yeah. 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 You don't listen. Exactly. You don't want to listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yes, snare of the devil. Mm. To do their will, yeah, his will, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ultimately what false teachers are doing. They're doing the will of Satan because false teachers divide the church, and so they are doing, yeah. Yeah. He wants to. He wants to work his way. Yeah. Divide and conquer. Yeah. Mm. Through, um, mm. you know, yeah. Yeah. If you if you are this sort of person, just think about it. If you're pursuing righteousness and love and peace, and you're in fellowship with people of the same mind, and you're not arguing, and you're not speculating with ignorant and foolish things, and if you're not quarrelling, and you're kind to all, and you're able to teach, and you're patient when wronged, yes, yes. And you're, gent you're gently correcting those in opposition and because you desire them to come to a knowledge of the truth and repent. Who are you like? You're like Jesus. That is the picture of the Christian minister. The Christian minister is becoming more and more like Christ. And the reason you have to pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace is because you don't have all that he had. And so you're to run after him. Remember in the Psalms, what is it? Psalm 42. Um, uh, it's um, my soul longs for you as, as the deer pants for the water. It's that idea that we long for God. We long for, for him and the things of him. And um, that's what he's telling Timothy. 
you know, the more that you do these things, the more you practice these things, A, it's going to be of great benefit to the people you're ministering to, but also to you. You are going to become more like Christ. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that's how he's going to conduct himself as a minister of the gospel. Um, separate himself from people who argue. Don't misuse the word of uh, the people who misuse the word of God. All of those things, and it's a challenge, don't you think? It's a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm, go. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, you do, exactly, exactly. And it, this is, you know, um, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. I mean, we would also, if I asked you, are you a bondservant of the Lord, you'd say yes. You must not be quarrelsome. You must be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, gent with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. You know, that's, that's a difficult thing. Because, you know, we get full of this, what we like to call righteous anger, <laughs> which is actually just our own stuff, you know. And we're defending the gospel and defending the faith, and actually all of the time we're just trying to tell it like what I think, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, and yeah, and yeah, speak the truth in love, Paul will say. In your anger, do not sin. Here, um, be patient, correcting people gently. Yeah, I think it's in your anger, do not sin, is one of the things. Yeah, do not sin. There you go. You can, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. And and the thing is, you know, we are to get angry about false teaching because it does destroy and corrupt. But don't sin. Sin in your anger. Do not sin. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think the thing is, you know, it's like false teaching is always divisive. The thing is, that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because mostly we get angry about things that upset us personally. And it, it's, it's that, that that he's talking about there. In your anger, it, there will be anger. Don't sin. You know, anger itself is not a sin. That's a human emotion. Human emotions are not sin. It's how you respond to them. You can't help being having an emotion it just comes you don't make it come it just happens but it's what you do with it when you get it and that's the whole thing so correcting people in opposition gently because we can all correct 
you're all, we're doing Bible study. We can correct. We know the truth. So we can easily go and correct someone. But it's gently doing that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it depends what you call your own group. So. Other, well, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. If, if I went and heard something and mm. tried to correct something, mm. if they hadn't read that, mm. yeah. 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 Show them that that's a good thing for them to read. The thing is, the thing is, let's think about it. You're, let's say you're in a, in a big group of people, and, they, and f I mean, I don't know, a church, let's say you're in a church, and someone says... Um, well, I just don't believe in the resurrection. I mean, I just think it's a load of nonsense, actually. I think somebody took his body out of the tomb and there he's gone. Well, what are you going to do with that? You know, that's been spoken out into a whole group of people. What are you going to do with it? Like, I mean, years ago, when I um, ran Alpha courses um, in Japan, I mean, they just did my head in because they teach you in Alpha. I know that's, sorry, that's on the tape. This is not really, but they teach you. They, they, when they do the training for leadership, you're not supposed to answer a question. You, you can't answer a question. You have to say, well, that's interesting. What, does, what do you think? So Carol says something, and then I say, that's very interesting. What do you think, John? And then you say a whole load of hocus pocus. And then, <laughs> so what do you think, Angela? And so, it, yeah, so... It was so difficult not to answer that question. And actually, that's not biblical. We are supposed to speak truth. So if Carol comes and says, well, the resurrection's a load of nonsense, I'm not going to say, that's very interesting. What do you think, Angela? It's like, I'm, but I'm supposed to say to Carol, well, yeah, it does seem very unusual, but that's what the scripture says. So we believe it. Do you see what I mean? Now, I'm not saying every Alpha group's like that. That was the training I received. I'm not knocking Alpha as a thing. I think in some ways it's excellent, excellent stuff. But um, there is a way to gently correct, and we have to do it, John. You have to do it. And the thing is, when you do it, if you do it with gentleness and humility and kindness, there's a chance they won't stone you. <laughs> <laughs> but not strong. <laughs> you know... People don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be corrected. Exactly. Yeah, of course. And we all have it. We don't want to be corrected. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the awful part was, he said he felt so dreadful at the end because there was this little boy who was saying, and Jesus is alive. Mm. He's risen from the dead. And this little boy was looking up at Anthony like this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's awful. Sorry, I didn't say Yeah. Did you not tell him that Anthony actually isn't Jesus? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you gently correct that. I don't think that's opposition. Anyway, but the whole point is the reason we do any of it and the reason Paul's saying to Timothy is in the hope that people will come to repentance because we know that false teaching comes from the devil. So therefore, people who are teaching false teaching are in the snare 
uh, of the devil. So, um, you know, um, yeah. So, um, so then when we're thinking about it, how difficult is the work of a minister or a servant, a bond servant? It is. It's like walking a tightrope, which we cannot do. We cannot do. So who, when we're thinking about ministry, when we're thinking about being bond servants, and it's our choice, will we live as a bond servant? We're supposed to be bond servants because we're believers, but will we live like one? When you're given that choice and you say, yes, I want to be a bond servant to the Lord, really, what would be the next thing in your mind? Yeah, help, help. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is very weak. So help, help, help. My son, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Paul there means, you know, that so when I'm with this group of people, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to them on things that they can relate to. And when I'm with that group of people, the same thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the, uh, the whole idea is you can't live like this. This is, a, this is a, a description of Christ almost. So when you read that and you think, oh my goodness, I can't do that, but I want to, the automatic thing is, Lord, help me to be this person. Help me to do this. And as soon as you pray that prayer, you've said exactly what God wants you to say because he swoops in and does help you. It doesn't mean you don't make mistakes loads of things yeah and he he actually enables you to do that mm. yeah mm. 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 exactly yeah exactly Well, I don't know. I think he's always swooping, Mike. I think I'm just not always there. You know, I'm not always on the same page as he is. Um, so, you know, the, I've got some questions as usual. You know, how difficult is the work of a minister or a servant of God? And the answer is, it's impossible for me, but Christ is in me and he can do it. Will you do your part in the body of Christ? Because the whole thing about this uh, this kingdom we belong to, this body of Christ, is that we are joined one with another we cannot do this alone i can't do it alone you can't do it alone we are each of us um supposed to support the other mm. Mm. yeah 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 um yeah definitely um first corinthians actually i think it's first corinthians 12 or is it second corinthians um, 2 Corinthians 12, maybe. Um, uh, I'll tell you what the verse is. No, it's it's um, 1 Corinthians 12. And it's, sorry, I keep flipping backwards and forwards. The verse is, whenever you come together, one of you has a teaching, one of you has a psalm, yeah. one of you has this, one of you has that. I mean, the whole point of that is, when you come together, that's what happens. One person does this, one person does that, one person does the other thing. Because when that's happening, you are actually being the body of Christ. Um, yeah. Um, I can't find that that scripture now, but you know where I mean. Um, yeah, this Bible, I'm still not 
familiar where things are on the page, so I can never find them exactly. But it's basically when you come together, one of you has a teaching, one has this, one has a psalm. And yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah, it's not that verse. That's a great verse, but it's not that verse. It's yes, yes. No, that's the one that um, uh, Mike's just read. No, they're all. It's good. It's wonderful, but it's not my verse. So it's not the one I mean. Doesn't. Um, yeah, I can't find it because I can't. Um, I don't know why that's ridiculous. Um, I don't know why I can't find it. Yeah, I, I know, but it's poor, isn't it? I should know where it is. Um, no, it, it is definitely First Corinthians. In fact, I had a note of it up here somewhere. Let me see if I can find it. First Corinthians 14, 26. There you go. First Corinthians, yeah. First Corinthians 14. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. So it's this idea that together we come with these different things. And um, uh, yes, each one building up. And as Mike quoted, uh, uh, Angela too, you know, the, the gifts are given for the edification of the body, the building up of the body of Christ. So, Okay, so will you do your part in the body of Christ? And do you know your part in the body of Christ? Do you know your gifting? And do you know your ministry, which is just area of service? Do you know the area that God's calling you to serve? And I totally believe and you know I think that if if God has gifted you in a certain way you will love what he is calling you to do it will not be a burden no but you will find great joy in the doing of it so that's an easy way to find out what's my gift you know what what does God really want me to do uh, in terms of the body of Christ Mm. Mm. No, that's it. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, definitely, exactly, for your church. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. 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 Yeah, and I mean that, be diligent to present yourself approved to God accurately, a workman approved to God accurately handling the word of truth. I mean, that's a really great prayer for... So, will you do your part? Do you know your part? If you don't, will you ask God? Will you encourage those people? That's actually, you've just introduced that. Will you encourage those people on the front line? And the people on the front line are pastors, ministers, people in leadership. Yeah, they are on the front line because as soon as you lift your head above the parapet, there are 10 guns shooting at you. Different ways. And now we're talking within the church, within the professing church. So will you pray for, will you encourage those people who are on the front line? So it doesn't mean necessarily saying that they're right all the time, it, but it can just be encouraging, you know. Um, and I said, you don't need to tell me all 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, and, and will, will you fan the flame? Hey? I Unfortunately, in our day, the church is the front line. You know, it's like yeah. what, being a minister in a church. Oh, does he? Poor thing. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Can you see it? Yeah. Anyway, you are an encourager, Eve. That certainly resonates. I know that you're an encourager. And, um, because you, and you always find something good to say, which is really a gift. That's a gift. Yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah, so someone else pray, we'll finish. No, I'll pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that um, we have talked our way through this, um, just these few verses, actually, Lord, and thank you for what we've seen. I know that there's more to see and more for us to understand. So I ask, Lord, that you would continue on with us. And as we go now, we've got two weeks before we meet again, Father, that you would just keep us coming, bringing us back to this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy and, and, and keep bringing our mind back to those things that we perhaps still don't quite understand fully, that we might really, you know, talk that out with you, Lord, and find out the truth that you want us to know, and, and in particular, the way that you want us to live as servants of the gospel, as ministers within our um, fellowships. How do you want us to behave? How do you want us to live? What do you want us to say and when to say it? And all of those things, Lord, that we make so many mistakes with. Um, would you help us to understand and to live with the wisdom of Christ? You say that he has become our wisdom, our sanctification, our righteousness. And so we pray that he would live through us, Lord, and enable us to be the sort of person you're calling us to be. So we thank you, Lord. I thank you for your, for your grace and your mercy and your love for each one of us. And I thank you, too, for the fellowship of believers, which is just so precious, Lord. And we praise you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.